This is the Houston Coaches Podcast, where we honor the legacy of Houston area football and promote growth within the coaching profession through conversations with the greatest Houston area coaches of the past, present, and future. Brought to you by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Welcome back to the Houston Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Gomez, and on the show today is another coach that I was fortunate to work for as an assistant, the driving force behind the rich tradition at Klein Oak High School, Coach David Smith. Coach Smith is now retired from public education, but continues to coach hurdlers in the Woodlands area while maintaining a very active lifestyle. Thank you very much for joining us today, Coach. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, you bet. Anytime I get to talk about athletes and passion for the game of football, it's fun. Yes, sir. Uh, as, as, I, as I shared with you, you know, before, the, the purpose of this podcast is to use uh, your wisdom and experiences of coaches like yourself to help guide those of us who are now charged with leading programs of our own and who have to navigate the rapidly changing landscape of high school football, uh, as well as the future campus and district leaders who are in the early stages of the journey. Uh, so, if you don't mind, just to, to start off, uh, can you please give us a brief rundown of your playing and coaching career? Yes, sir. Up front, up front before I forget about it, Coach Gomez was one of those good guys. You know, we, we're not always good guys coaching. We, we're good people, but sometimes we've got to go hard. But Coach Gomez was a good guy. He always kept us balanced. He did a good job of that. <laughs> I appreciate okay. that. Okay, well, I started off in 19 – I played ball at Sam Houston State. Uh, played at Richardson High School before that. My dad was a drafted by the Detroit Lions. So I was raised to coach. I was raised to know the game before a lot of other young kids got because I had that kind of dad. You know, that's in the 60s and 70s. In Richardson, we went nine and one. Our senior year, but we couldn't make playoffs because we couldn't be playing no last this year game. So we had great tradition there. Uh, Sam Houston, four years there, the captain, that's all fun stuff. All learning that, hey, this passion of playing football may be what I need to do for a living as far as coaching. I wasn't good enough for the NFL, I guess, because I never got opportunity. But had a lot of fun doing that at Sam Houston. Graduated, went to Cedar Bile Junior High in Baytown. Al Dennis was the head man at Ross Sterling, which he passed away recently. It was at his funeral. Great guy, great person, great wife, Paula. You know, all these coaches have great wives. It just works uh -huh. that way. Uh, there, two years at Cedar Bile Junior High. Best thing I could possibly do was be a junior high coach. At the time, I was a little bit too arrogant for that. But now, I look back as, man, that was great. Learned so many fundamentals. And then from 79 and then 81, I went to Robert E. Lee. Al couldn't get an opening at Sterling, so I went with Ron Kramer at Robert E. Lee. Carl Scantlin came over and kind of, he was a recruiter, and he recruited me as a coach at Robert E. Lee. So I went with Robert E. Lee. Had a great time. Quentin Corey, I was one of our great players there. Drafted number two in the NFL later. You know, but it's all about players. I see so many things that I had worked out for my career were because of the players that we had. You know, no matter what characteristics they had, there was something about these players that always helped me and enhanced me as a person. Quentin was one of them, and we stay in contact to this day. Of course, that was a lot of years ago. Uh, then... Uh, I, I resigned at Robert E. Lee because the head man wasn't leaving, and I was single, and I was ready to be a head guy. So I said I thought I, I, to resign without a job, as you well know, is not real smart. 
Right. But I kind of felt pretty good about myself, and I wanted to make a move, and that forced me to make a move. So I called first thing Oklahoma University. Uh, they'd come through because, again, players, Quinn Coriot, Chris Crooms, Pascal Waddy, those guys brought the, the recruiters in, and I was the recruit guy for the high school, and I became friends with the different guys. Charlie Sadler became friends with him. Called Charlie when I resigned at Lee, and he said, said hey, I'm going to come out and watch y'all a few days, just hang out at Oklahoma University with Barry Switzer. He said, wait a minute, let me call you back. So he called me back said, so he offered me a position. A little different back in the 80s than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, we're flying you up here, and we've got a spot we want to talk to you about. So I'm thinking, wow, that's like a dream come true. I grew up in Dallas. It was close to Norman. It is Austin. And Barry was my guy. Switcher was I just always impressed with Barry Switcher and his connection with players. And it was true to be. So I went up there, and they offered me a position to coach defensive tackles, but I'd have to be officially a graduate assistant. I said, well, I already have a master's, so I'm not going to classes. He said, well, uh, we'll work that out. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out. So anyway, I'm getting coach defensive tackle playing uh, at USC the very first game that year on national TV, of course. I think we were ranked four or five at that time, and, and that was in 1988. So I'm there for – so my official – Got coach those defense alignment with Gary Gibbs, the defensive coordinator, uh, had to do different things. I'd go work with linebackers. Chris Wilson, he's got a Super Bowl ring coaching. He was a Richardson graduate. That was one of those names. Gary Gibbs was a fantastic uh, mentor to have. He became the head coach at OU after Barry resigned. So I get to be around that and soak up all that knowledge. And they're just people, though. You think of these great dynasty universities and pros, they're still people. Mm -hmm. My daddy always said they put on their jockey strap one foot at a time. I'm thinking, well, <laughs> kids don't know what that is nowadays. <laughs> so we'll yeah. say they put on their pants one foot at a time. Well, so that, that was a great experience there. Then I learned about recruiting. from Like Barry, I learned personalities. You go in that restaurant, you get to, you get to know your waitress. You get to know whoever's working around there. You get to know the maitre d'. You make it personal with them. And I think that recruiting process came again from Barry was carried over later so much so as a head coach. You recruit your community. You recruit players that live in your attendance zone to play the game, even though if they may be straight basketball, well, they may need to play two sports. So you have to recruit. Uh, you're, the whole life you're recruiting. You're selling yourself. So OU, the defensive coordinator, Charlie Sadler, got the head job at Northern Illinois. He said, Coach, I got the head job in Northern Illinois. Let's go. And I said, okay, yeah, wait, yeah, celebrate. I said, by the way, where is Northern Illinois? <laughs> he said, DeKalb, Illinois. So I'm in it. Let's go. Get a U-Haul. Let's go. So I got to go up there and then run defense. So I got to be more prevalent in the, in the schemes of things. Uh, met my wife the fourth year in Atlanta at a national football, again, football convention in Atlanta. Met her. She was doing TV stuff for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. It's just a natural fit. We found love, and I'm I fell in, I guarantee you. But then I recruited her. As <laughs> you, I recruited her. It was the best recruiting I ever did. Uh, recruited some good ones, but she was the best and still is. So got somehow convinced her 
to date me long distance. And then we, uh, six months later, were married. And she was in Northern Illinois, poor thing. <laughs> she, she was a team player. So we do, I do that. Uh, great experience in Northern. Uh, Hollis Thomas played in the NFL 12 years. We talk to this day. Eddie Davis from St. Louis. I recruited these guys out of St. Louis. They didn't have all all ship offers. Eddie didn't have another D1 offer. Well, he ends up, I get him at Northern Illinois. He goes Canadian League in the Canadian Hall of Fame. That's Eddie Davis. So, again, it's about players. Mm -hmm. Players are players. Uh, Then my wife looks at me after one year at Northern Illinois and says, hey, it was zero degrees the other day, and we had our first baby, and her name was Austin. And she said, I'm not going to do this another year in the winter. So what what do you need to do for me? I said, I'm going to Texas, find me a high school job. That's where we need to be. And blessed, Lord blessed us. The next national convention is in Dallas. I see Alan Bourne. He's then selling Douglas pads. He had been coached for many years. Uh, Alan said, hey, Klein Oak job's open. I'm saying, hey, they've won one game, I think, two or three years. And I hesitated, and I turned around, walked back, said, wait a minute, who am I to judge? That's a great place to live. That's where I want to be. And uh, Sonny Novak and Byron Russian hired me after being uh, – I went in there recruited them on the, on the uh, interview. They thought they were recruiting me. Shoot, I was recruiting them. And got the job, and uh, we won three games first year, and uh, they think we'd hung them in. So uh, that was a great deal. So we were, I was there 22 years at Flying Oak. Yeah, great place. Yep. <clears throat> yes, sir. And, you know, since, since you brought her up, I'm, I want to go ahead and ask you about, about Patty. You know, I mean, you have arguably <laughs> the, the, most, the most famous coach's wife, you know, in, in, in recent memory. And so, you know, just how, how did you, were you able to, to manage that as far as, you know, I mean, she's obviously had her very own very successful career. Uh, you know, and you had your job duties for all those years and, and you raised two very successful and accomplished daughters. So how, how did you make all that work? Well, it, and then you asked me and make it sound like it was me making it work. <laughs> well, you know better. You know, it was a we deal. And we, I try to use I out of the place, even though sometimes I may seem like I think a lot of myself. Well, I do, but you have to. You have to. But it's about we. And the we came in was she, she, I married her. I married a Heisman Trophy girl. I married a NFL MVP. I married a Super Bowl champ. That's what she's about. She's just talented, talented, clever, smart. And she recruited me. And I said, no, I, I was recruiting you. <laughs> so we go, number one, we're always number one. We, we have a plan on the weekend for the week. And I knew when I had to get off. And I'd never cut a practice short, but I'd always get off in time to get the kids when she was doing like night games on sideline with rockets or baseball. And we just had to be tightly, tightly coordinated. And we both were unselfish that our children were number one. We had them on church, church on Sunday. They go through structure that helped carry Shook up here to fellowship. I was hooked mm-hmm. up and he was raising kids at the same time we were raising kids. So that really helped, and I spent a lot of time with him. <clears throat> but our wife and I just handed the kids off in the middle of a parking lot, and I'd take them to watch a basketball game that I had to supervise. And, uh, and then she, in the mornings, what was blessing was she, every morning, got to get the kids up, get them fed, get their lessons organized, get them at school. 
therefore that's that's great we had no parents around here we had no relatives it was just she and i but with her job at fox it was able to go in at noonish but she might not come home till 11 or 12. but she's there mm -hmm. at noon when it's game day but she's with those kids in the mornings that was fantastic then yeah. i'd take over in the afternoon so that's how it worked it was a, it was a wee deal that's the way we are yeah, that's 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 phenomenal. I mean, that's and like I said, obviously it it paid off because your daughters said that they're they're off in their own careers now, doing great for themselves, and uh, you know, and yeah, you have your your grandbaby now, uh, oh, yeah. that's a oh, couple yeah. months old, and uh, so 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 it obviously worked out really well for y'all. Yeah, we we've been blessed. It's hard work, but you but it's not you don't look at it work because it's just what you're supposed to do. You take yep. care of your children. And then uh, as you're doing that, you're taking care of your own self. You're taking care of problems without even thinking about it. It was good. Yeah. Uh, now, as, you know, again, you said you, you were a head coach at Klein Oak for 22 years. Yeah. Uh, what, is, what is one thing that you wish everybody knew before they became a head coach or campus athletic director? Well, I think, and this, this one gets right down to the bottom line, and it's kind of hard to, to judge, but you must have loyal people. You must have people that are going to put it online for you when you hire them. Uh, I found, you know, when I came in, they, they were not winning other than baseball at much at all. And, and I was into the, I got into the soccer. I got into baseball. I got, I went and supervised those events and I, I sit in the stands with those parents and kind of play. I was a part of them. That really helped. And I didn't know that until I started looking at what would the Barry Switzers in the world do? They would go be a part of it. So that helped me in the community. Uh, I, I was, I was noticed, as they said, is the most visual head coach in the Klein district. And I, I found that out that said about me. I said, I took pride in that. But it's just, I think that's what you're supposed to do. And young coaches didn't know that. You are not just a football coach. You're a campus coordinator. You're a part of every program there. And at the same time, those teachers better know you, and they better understand that you're a fair guy, too. So that, that's one thing, but in, in the loyalty part of that is just huge. It's hard to measure it up front. You may have a coach who's really smart, then you've been given the, his name for somebody else, but they may not, you may not see that, that, that loyalty will maybe top at their list of things they needed to be, or they're trying to go to another job. Well, let me know up front. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you need to go talk about a problem. You talk to Coach Smith before you go to see the principal, you know, because the principal doesn't want to spend time with it. He wants you to work through the system. Those things they need to do. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of my next questions. I know in, in conversation one time you told me about how I think in, in your in your time there, you worked for six different principals at Klein Oak. Yes, uh, sir. So obviously you, you know, you were you know, going back to your recruiting, you know, you were able to recruit them to be on your side, but uh, what, what, tell us just some of what you learned about just the very important relationship that is needed to have with the, that campus leader in order to be successful. Well, I, I try to find out, of course, and, and it's recruiting too. You know, you recruit uh, people from all different places as players and the principals are from different backgrounds. One may be very wealthy all their life and, and had, you know, had a silver spoon and always had everything go well for them. You need to kind of understand that. I understand if it's one of those hardworking and everything they think about is that school building, 
it's kind of hard. It's good to know that. Good to get along and, and fit what they need. This one doesn't need much attention, but they need me taking care of my business. Um, one of the things, uh, some of the principals, well, Sonia Novak, the athletic director, hired me and said, hey, I need you to do your job. It doesn't need to come to me. Your job doesn't need me to climb up to my office. I said, okay. I used that same thought about principals. I didn't want them to have to deal with things that my staff and I can take care of. And I had fantastic secretaries. I mean, 22 years. My school, the Booster Club, we won't go into that, but I can take another book. <laughs> but the Booster Club, having the principal, uh, uh, leaders at your Booster Club, one, you pretty much sure the guy gets in place that has a, a kid that's probably going to play. It's probably going to be active on the roster, you know, and not going to be a, a problem either. But, the, you know, the principal is kind of the same thing. Principals just find out what they like, what do they need, what they want you to do, and keep problems away from them that you can take care of. Mm. That's, that's huge. And then that's, you know, we don't, I don't think a lot of us realize how much principal deals with on a daily basis, you know, yes. without, until you're in there, you know, in the office, you know, multiple times a day or a week, you know, asking things or finding things out and you realize, man, they got to have their hand in everything. You can't take away from their from their plate. It's very beneficial for them, and they're very thankful for for being able to do that for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And some days they say, "Hey, I haven't seen you lately." It's because I'm trying. I'm taking care of problems. I'm not hiding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, when uh, you know, back to to you know, more of the football side of things. Uh, you know, you obviously had some very very kids. You know, you, you mentioned a couple of them in, in Baytown. Uh, and then your your Klein Oak teams, you know, historically had a, had a really good run of, of kids there. So if you had to narrow it down, who would you say you, are you, the top three high school players you ever got to watch in person? Well, uh, from my kids that played for me, you think, or just, just across the yeah, whatever any, any high school player you got to either okay. coach or coach against. Well, the, I didn't coach against them, but I watched them, and thank goodness Katie had to play them. I didn't have to. But Vince Young was was phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Grown man, six four, two twenty, and run four five forty in high school. You couldn't tackle him, and then you can, and then he had a great arm, and he just he was something else. And I, and I know him now as an adult. It, it's pretty neat because he does a lot of charity events. The Brothers in Arms is a charity yeah. event. My wife does, uh, and Vince Young and uh, Andre Ware and uh, Warren Moon. They're three guys that had a. Single moms raise them, and they're athletes and football players. And uh, that's a charity. I've got no advance in those guys, and that's pretty cool. But yeah. kids played for me. Derek Brown. I mean, we'd give him ball 50 times. I mean, and he wanted it 50 times. He was standing tough, strong, and fast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I mean, Woodland High School is number one in the state. And, you know, him and his brother at linebacker, who was sacking all the quarterbacks, I think they went through three quarterbacks. That night, you know, what a fabulous program, fabulous coaching, uh, just outstanding. But that night, we're running single wing, and people didn't study the single wing, didn't know what to do about it. I'm not saying wing T. I'm saying single wing, as you well know. Uh, mm-hmm. You snap it to your best player, and let's go. And the defense doesn't have enough people at point of attack. You're going to run through it. 
Well, Derek had like 260 that night against them, and this, and then he started throwing it. We went for two. Well, I couldn't go for one because my kicker was at Oklahoma trying to get a scholarship for soccer. <laughs> he had told me ahead. <laughs> so we, we had to go for two even when we were getting ahead. You know, that's kind of like, well, you rubbing it in? No, I didn't have another kicker. You know, the JV kicker had already played. <laughs> so, so Derek would fake his sweep and then throw it. And, you know, they probably thought we were – Roll, you know, we're running up score. No, it wasn't the purpose. Of it. We didn't have a kicker. But that uh, Deshaun Hales, Deshaun Hales did things that, I mean, he was a, a buck fifty maybe in high school, and he he ran a good four five forty, but it wasn't all this four two four three stuff people talk about. But he can play the game of football, and um, he played the game. I mean, we were playing in the regional finals against Burton High School, who had a fabulous team. We weren't ranked at anything. We had maybe two guys. Went one guy, the senior, had a scholarship that year, a ride. And that, but there were players that loved to play. It was 2012, and we'd just gotten back into things. And uh, Deshaun was doing a safety on the kickoff, where you turn your back to the team you're kicking to, put your hands up, and then put them down for everyone to run. That's for the people that don't, they're not that old. <laughs> well, yeah. he did the signal, turned around, went after the ball that we scrib kicked. That's opening kick. Dove into the pile, and his 100. 50 pounds pulled up, walked out of the pile with the ball in his hands. Then Jeff Poth, the offense coordinator, he, he was with me 20 years, loved the man. He's still at Klein Kane now. But he takes the ball, throws a go route to Deshaun, so we get it on three. Boom, first and three. We can't get an inch, can't get an inch. So fourth down, Jeff finally said, forget it, and run the power to Deshaun. And boom, walk in the end zone. And, uh, <laughs> and we won that game, and uh, head coach at Tomball, who I just met the other night uh, at the coaches convention, which is a well, the Greater Houston Football Coach Association had to get together. He told me he coached on that Burtner staff. I said, "Oh my oh, wow. god!" <laughs> and uh, he was from Richardson, like myself, uh, growing up, and he had great respect for Deshaun Hills. And Deshaun's doing great. Both, well, Derek Brown's wife and I work at the same fitness center, so I've gotten oh, okay. to know them that way. Deshaun Hills married, has two kids at least, and doing great job business. Uh, then we had another player, Quentin Poyot. Quentin drafted number two in a draft later. He goes to A&M, Quentin Poyot, back in 87. He's the strongest kid on the football team as a freshman. So, that, so again, it's about players. I didn't. I didn't. You know, Quentin, I just got out of Quentin's way as a linebacker. And I was coach linebacker there at Lee. Hollis Thomas, nose guard. 12 years in the NFL, he had one offer, full ride in Northern Illinois, and, but he's a player. Like I mentioned, Eddie Davis was the same situation, had great careers. Uh, Brandon, Blair, Brandon Blair played at West Texas yep. A&M and just got the player of the year there. We'd direct snap him and just let him run at, at the quarterback position. And uh, he was just pound for pound. He, he could play. He could play the game. Any, every coach would like this kid. And uh, the, the, another kid that was sensational, he had two gold medals in the four-by-one in the state championship, anchor leg with Lorenzo Stewart. He could run. And he was maybe five, six. But at one game, he, he'd get a little attitude every once in a while, but we loved him. You know, but we all get attitudes every once in a while, but we turn it around. Well, he came as a coach. I don't want to play offense anymore tonight. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. 
we're playing climb fours, I think, and you know, they could run, 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 and he could run. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Because we had the lead, so it was okay. You're playing free safety. Okay, got it. He never played free safety ever. So you get in the middle field, you're a baseball guy, then you just follow the ball. You ain't going to make tackles and snap your feet and get deep when you need to defend the pass. And he played second half uh, at free safety with no teaching. You know, it's those coaches we get in the way sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but he it was good. Those yeah, I can name a lot of players. That's oh yeah, hand, handful there. Yeah, I, I, of course I had the pleasure of I, I taught Lorenzo, you know, sophomore English, and and that was a whole different story. But but we won't get into that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's a different podcast. Uh, but but I yeah, you know, I also remember in the you know we played I think his sophomore year we played Kingwood in the playoffs. And the first round. But then the next year we, we got in the in the same district with Kingwood and they had yeah. a, a little little running back over there as well. Uh, Kate Harrington that they, they played at Lamar. Yeah. And I just remember that game. It was an afternoon, Saturday afternoon game. And it was just the back of like we neither team could tackle the, the other running back. <laughs> One and go 70 and then their kid would get it and he'd go 70. I mean, it was just like a, like they were having their own track meet uh, on, on that Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, real good, real good defense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's I just I remember Lorenzo when when he wanted to go, he he just he he would never stop. So that that was uh, he he was very fun to watch. And we have contact with all of you guys, you know, you know, between me and Coach Poth, Coach Lancey, mm-hmm. Flying Kane, uh, uh, where Coach Poth is now. Uh, we all have contact still. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, not not every day, but all of a sudden, boom, one pops up. How you doing, Coach? Yeah, when when I was when I was at Kane with with Coach, locked up one day and there's Lorenzo standing on the sideline just watching our practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah th- th- those are th- those are those are the ones that you, you know you when they're when they're young, immature kids, and, and then you watch them grow up into these young men that are successful and family guys, and, and you know that that's what really makes makes the profession worth it for sure. No, oh, you you just love it. You just look at them and. I'm walking down the river walk over here. I live in Woodlands, and I get a guy, I, all of a sudden, hey, Coach Smith. I mean, I don't like to hear that, but then I love to hear that. So I turn around, and it's one of my old guys. Fantastic. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, it it was great. Jay Williams. Man. Oh, yeah. Jay, Jay can play now. Uh, Jay could play. And uh, we had a great time. We spent the next four hours hanging out and talking. Yeah. And I'm gonna when he does the tree service and stuff, I'm gonna have him do it one of my trees here. You know, just keep <laughs> it going. I'd rather pay him than someone I don't know. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, so, um, now when when as 22 years head coach and, and all your experience, did you have a, a favorite scheme or play um, that, that you like to do either offensively or defensively? Yes, yes. We started off, I loved the Dallas Cowboys. I grew up in Dallas. I paid a dollar to sit in the end zone when we were kids in seventh grade. We'd get a ride from Richardson, 35 cents, sit in the end zone for a dollar and watch the Dallas Cowboys play on Monday nights. Now, that was cool. Well, along, along with that, uh, we ran the same offense they did when I first came to Oak. Larry Edmondson, the offensive coordinator, just gotten fired at LSU. And great coach, great guy. Love Larry. And uh, Craig Chester had been at Sam Houston State as defense coordinator. So I got those two coordinators my first year at Oak. I mean, it was, I mean, they're all coaching at different levels at one time. 
So our scheme then was Dallas Cowboys, period. Yeah, you bet, you bet. And uh, then uh, we went after that. We had the drop down because in the school business, you do what's best for your host district. Mm -hmm. Uh, Klein Collins opened. And they decided, don't touch Klein, don't touch Klein Forest. This, it's easier to just touch one school, Klein Oak, and take most of the, about half that school, go to Klein, Collins and start them up. So it was so much for our numbers. We had three seniors on the entire roster <laughs> that year. And so we're doing that. So I, we, Jeff, John Sotolongo, okay, came in, saw me at a spring practice, walks up to me. He says, I said, who, who, hey, sir, what's your name? How you doing? He's watching practice. I always stayed free while I can go do what I needed to do. And I'd go coach positions as I see fit. Well, John's there. I said, hey, how you doing? Do you want to watch? You're welcome. He said, no, I just got hired here as a history teacher, but I want to coach football. He just took a chance. Before we stopped our conversation, in back of my mind, I'm hiring him. Because he was an innovative guy, he was a smart guy, he's done great in business, and he had a passion for the game because he was teaching coaching peewee football oh, wow. in Houston, and his brother and him were together and doing it in the Woodlands area, South County. I said, okay. So as soon, soon as they, he, I confirmed that he was a history teacher, I said, okay, you're, you're going to coach freshmen. Well, my, fresh, my, my running back coach that year, wife said uh, he needed to get out of coaching and in education so he left and i said okay i understand it was like a week before season and so so john sudolongo became the varsity running back coach because i knew he had talent i knew he was smart and he had passion so i didn't care all his background didn't matter as far as the football game but we just wanted him to know what we wanted to know anyway well he comes up here and says, coach can i run this little offense i ran at the peewee level with my sophomore team Sure, sure, go ahead. Let's talk about it a little bit. Well, it's basically a single wing that Derek Brown ended up being the guy at in the you know, various guys. You know, uh, David Porter became great at single wing, you know, McQueen became great at it. Different quarterbacks, uh, and then of course, I'm not naming them all, so I'm in trouble. Uh, and I told I was told a long time ago, don't say names because you'll forget somebody. Uh, but so the single wing became a great scheme because you have more people at the point of attack than the defense has because you may pull a guard and a tackle and pull the back from a slot area and all lead up in the same hole and all of a sudden you take care of that and then quarterback keeps it and runs spin around the backside if i know how to defend it but if you don't defend it correctly you have you're standing there like with your hands up in the air and so long ago we got, did that with the sophomore group and other people didn't know we had that in our scheme and he just, they just had so much fun. So when it came down to it and everybody, all these players, we had three seniors and 12 juniors. Then all my sophomores had to play varsity against, again, the Woods was number one that next year again. Uh, we just couldn't stand up to them. So we went to the single wing stuff and it gave us a chance to get first downs. I gave candy away. Jeff and I would give candy away. And Coach Clancy, every time we got first downs, okay. just give them, just have candy. Okay, I mean, we're going to get a bunch of candy after this game. We might not have won, but we did a lot of winning out there within the game itself, and that's huge. And you got to do that when you're not winning. You know it's going to be tough to win. you still got to win in some other ways. And that's what we did. We sold the fact that we got first downs, sold the fact that we we're still alive, ready to play for next week. Okay, so that's same, single wing. Defense, 
man it up, my brother. And we didn't always do that with you. You know that. But we did, I'd like man it up, bring it. Man it up and bring it. Make them sun guns do it. We didn't always have the personnel for that. But when we did, that was what I wanted to do. Let's go man it up. Let's go. We're playing Decaney. They're state champions that year, and they lost one game to us. We, we And... <laughs> And Trey Williams was a fabulous football player, running back. <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. And he's still playing pro ball. Yeah, he's with the USFL and still playing. Great guy. Sings with the NFL singers. He's a good dude. Known him as an adult now. But he needed to be stopped before he got going. So our scheme with him was put an ex-quarterback and an ex-running back on the edges and bring them. Just bring them. Just bring them. <laughs> because they didn't have a lot of passing game going on. So. And so Trey had 30 yards uh, until late in the fourth quarter, and we had backups playing, and he got some more. But that scheme of just bringing it when you can, uh, you got you just got to take your chances. And the single wing was pretty special on offense. Yeah. And, and that's when Connor McQueen, who's the offense coordinator now, and Connor Word, and he was out at USC, been OU, been yeah. at the Connor Word, and now he. He, we'd run the midline was a scheme that Jeff loved. Jeff was a you know also old line coach. Midline, he said, well, coach, how do we run midline from the gun? It's easy. Pause, pause, while they're coming downhill. Now we can pull a guard and we have a lead running back and a quarterback follows that. We're playing against Klein and they've not seen him before, and all of a sudden it looks like we're running an option, but we had no option man. So they always had a safety go to the pitch, but we didn't have a pitch. So we had numbers inside, and it's just you just have innovated when you don't have the the numbers and players. Mm-hmm. Great kids, but they just the numbers were just so uh, tough at that time. So we so Sada Longo and Jeff got together and put their minds together and got creative. And our single wings scheme is what NFL and colleges do now. Things call it what it is, but Newt Rockney did it before anybody did back in the forties, fifties. Yeah, part of the evolution, you know, kind of end up going back to the concepts that, that have worked throughout time. Absolutely. Just dress them up a little different. Dress it up different, totally. And then uh, you take uh, Connor McQueen and run it, and uh, <laughs> I won't go. Well, I saw Drew Sabota. You and I saw Drew Sabota the other night at the coaches get together, and and Drew said, you would mention that. So I, was, I put my hand up in the air like I had a football, and I walked like I was going in the end zone. <laughs> And he said, why, why are you doing that? So Connor McQueen did that to to Collins in the third overtime one time. Oh, fabulous competition with Klein Collins. We And loved Bruce Boda, great coach. And, and he ran through the end zone, ran into the fence before he stopped running over the track. <laughs> and it was a midline, you know, stuff. And then, then tackle pull, and it becomes your quarterback counter. And you got to be creative. Uh, that, that's that's all. That's all re- really good stuff. And, you know, that, that's that's the kind of you know the kind of conversations that I think ju- just spark more uh, talk with b- uh, between coaches. Of, hey, uh, let's let's figure out what what we need to do, and and you know we need to go back to these old concepts. You know, have been around for a long time, tried and true. And let's let's use some of that in our offense. And people are going to think we when really anybody <laughs> else. Sometimes. Yeah, we're just doing it over a different twist to it. A little something different to it. So, uh, and now my, my final question to you is, you know, this is what I kind of what we base the, the podcast on, but 
how would you explain Houston area football and its legacy to someone who has not been around it? And, and I think this is a good, appropriate question for you because you, you didn't grow up here. You, you know, you spent some years in other parts. And so you got to see, you know, other things besides football. So, so what can you tell us about the legacy of, of Houston area football? Well, it's, it's a legacy of Texas, of course, is huge. But that's but Houston is a part of that. But Houston has their own twist to it. Uh, Odessa had their twist in the 80s. Well, booming, booming oil business. People had a player, they think, they wanted to go. They're in the oil business. They're moving Odessa. They're going to Odessa permanent. And they won several state championships. Uh, Dallas has, is a marketing type of fashion of banking uh, gurus in, in the Texas area. Uh, Metropolitan. Well, Houston was oil oil related and in more uh just basic fundamental guys not the big fancy banks in the you know in, in the fashion centers they have in dallas but houston was blue collar football players yes you can go to the memorials in the 70s and 80s and saw some great football there to where they had little different people but uh here in houston the greatest thing for houston i think is one of them is uh, the Coaches Association, Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Well, I was a part of the beginning of that in the 80s, young, and and uh, John Kelly, and, uh, oh, my gosh, it went blank, Les Caning. They were pretty much the guys that started that and drove it, those guys. And John Kelly wasn't even a coach. He just loved the coach. My dad and him, by the way, went to high school together. But they started all the conferences and having coaches get together and talk to other coaches about clinics and, and how we improved. Well, I went as a college level later. That's the reason I know how important this was for Houston and the, the development of the coaches. Houston uh, had that association, unlike any in America. No one else in America had this coaches association, the fellowship. I went to California and recruited in Compton and recruited in in uh, San Diego, recruited in, in Mount, all those different places, Long Beach. Well, now I'm recruited in Florida, in Fort Myers, in, in different places. I recruited in Chicago. I recruited in, but when I went to St. Louis, which I love St. Louis, I went to, they had a coaches association. It was just so small in scale, and, and they were just kind of, there's not a lot of fire to it. And they asked me to speak at it while I was on a recruiting trip there, while I was working at uh, one of the colleges, Northern OU. So I'm sitting there, and I said, my gosh, we have such a great thing in Houston with these coaches associations. And if our coaches associations are great, our players are getting everything there is to get, latest and the greatest. Video, you know, the the, the, the which nowadays, you know, the, the VCRs and stuff are thrown out the window and bringing all the latest and greatest stuff. Uh, but Houston come right down to it. I mean, these coaches, uh, let's say right or wrong, you don't win pretty much in the Houston area, uh, or even in most areas in Texas, you're not going to keep your job. You got to be successful and success comes in different ways, but usually that not winning games that gets you. We had some areas in Klein Oak that we didn't win games while well, I was selling everything else I had to sell. We're giving out candy, patting on back, loving kids, and doing all that. But if you don't win, uh, you're usually going to lose your job. And that pressure goes into 
coaches studying the game. Go to Alabama and find out what they do. Go to OU, find out what they do, and bring it back here. We did that in Texas, and, and it's always been that way. In Houston, even more so, Houston, we'll say, is the hub of all the country when it comes to real straight-running players. And everyone's going to come to Houston. They just, whether they know there's players or not, they're going to find some here that other p- people don't know about. We just have some great coaching and great players. And the, the, look at the stadiums we have now. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> These other co- I was at St. Louis at Sumner High School with a fabulous guy, the head coach there. I found Hollis there. I walked into school and Hollis said, and then coach says, I got these four players, coach. I said, okay. Well, and he had a VH, VHS set up on top of a box. Okay. And this is not being negative about them, but at that time, that's what they had. And this is in 93, 94. And I said, well, you tell me about four players. What about that kid? I like that kid. And, and it was Hollis Thomas, the defense lineman running like a deer. And he said, well, he doesn't go to school here. He just plays football here. I said, oh, okay, that's not going to happen in Texas, not Houston. We all know each other too well, and we know about the players. Well, Hollis ended up offering a scholarship in Northern Illinois, and he come and played 12 years in the league. But that was – but but they had one side of the stands, and they played games in the afternoon. And it, it might have three or 4,000 people total in the game. And that's state championship back then. That's not that way in Texas. And in Houston, that afternoon is going to be full. Back well, excuse me, in the day when we had the Astrodome. <laughs> but it, it's, it's just special down here. The coaches made sure they're going to make it special. And, and coaches around the country have come here. They're going to come here and look for players. Yep. For sure, yeah. But I've, I've been, been fortunate my whole career, you know, and I love it. I, I, don't, I don't plan to go anywhere else. This is, this is a place to be. Let me tell you what, you mean one more thing, if you don't mind. I'm sure. in Chicago. And I'm recruiting in Chicago, Rockford, and that area. And the, the guy finds out the history. I'm walking down the hall, and this history teacher is standing there and say, hi, how you doing? What are you doing here? I'm a recruiter. And he starts talking about Friday Night Lights. He starts talking about Texas football. He said, oh, my, you, when I said I was a coach. So he came in right then, said, next 30 minutes of years, coach, talk about Texas football. I said, okay, I will. So, you know, just bring things out of my pocket. But that's how much respect people in that Chicago area, this guy's in. I want to listen to football about Texas. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my basic stuff is from Houston. And yeah. when we in, in that's – well, I can talk forever, so you got to tell me to be quiet. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. Um, but, no, that, that's, that, that's all. That's all, Coach. If you, want, if you want to discuss anything else, I'd love, love to hear it. Um, well, I will a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, when when you in life, and I learned, I've really confirmed this with Kerry Shook at Fellowship Woodlands. It used to be called Fellowship. They threw that name out for some reason. Anyway, uh, but if you got a passion for something that you can do and have a career doing it, my gosh, do it. God do it. If you don't have a passion for coaching, but you just kind of egotistically want to be the guy with the, the head coaching hat on, or just want to be the guy that everyone says that's a coach, that's not good enough. And you know, of course, we work 90 hours a week during football season. It's no go home. We're watching video and we're not, and that's, you have to, 
and now we'll go to church on Sunday mornings, and then we're back up there preparing for the next game. And people thought when you got the video so easily on your phone, so easy on your TV, it was going to be shorter. So, well, not really. Because you, you know, unless you have the phenomenal players and you still get beat with those guys, you, you've got to study. And, and, if you, and if you don't have a passion for it, it's hard for your wife and your family to accept you being gone all those hours. But when they see you have a passion for it and it lights your fire and you come home, as a great daddy, because what you're doing away from home, you have a passion for it. You're not just leaving home to leave home. So every minute when Patty and I get off of work in those days, we're home. We're home. You can find me anywhere else. I stopped drinking for 22 years. I was at Klein Oak High School just in case I got in a situation I shouldn't. This information you don't have to know, but young coaches didn't drink a drop for 22 years. A drop. And they well, what did you do? You go to the wedding. I said, I drink water. But I just didn't want anything to creep in to the passion that my family and I had for the professions we were in. And Patty's so strong. How does she do what she does for this many years as a beautiful female around all those football players and baseball players? <laughs> because she has a passion for it and she takes care of her business. When business is over, she goes home. Uh, so that's so important the, the Christian mindset that having values, uh, helps you justify being away from home because the minute you're not working, you're home or taking mm -hmm. them somewhere. Okay. I'll stop preaching. Yeah. I'll stop. And that's, that's a, that is a great point that, you know, just, it, 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 being present, you know, is, is, and being in the moment is what it's about. If you, if you're at work thinking about your kids or if you're at, at, at home, thinking about your job and you're just not going to be very good at, at either one of those things. So it's, it's yeah. all about, you know, when, when you, wherever you are, just be present there, get yourself done, take care of your business. And, and, you know, it's, like you said, when you're home, just make sure you're present, make sure you're not on your phone, make sure you're actually, you know, playing with, with your kids and, you know, listening to their stories and, and taking care of them in, in, in the ways that they need. And, you know, same with your spouse. I mean, that, those are all very useful things that, that, you know, if you haven't learned yet, then you're, you're going to learn. And you better. Hopefully, hopefully not the hard way. <laughs> or you'll lose something. Hey, what, what, this is a side note. When my girls and I are waiting for mama to get home at night, we created forts by using blankets over the chairs and the tables in the living rooms. And those were the forts we'd hide under and play games with. It's pretty good. It doesn't cost anything. Just blankets. <laughs> <laughs> and then, she, yep. then mama comes home and says, what are y'all doing? We're having fun, mama. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, them, let them be creative. Let them use their imagination. Absolutely. That's, that's always fun to watch with the, with the little ones. So, uh, well, Coach, I, I want to thank you uh, very much yeah. for joining us today and sharing your thoughts with our audience. It's always always a pleasure to hear your stories, and I certainly appreciate uh, learning from, from those who paved the way for this generation and allowed us to continue to lead young men and women through the power of positive coaching. Uh, so, you know, I can't, can't thank you enough, and you know, hopefully we can – have you back on again on the show soon. Sure. It's my pleasure. And I appreciate the kind of person you were that you brought to Klein Oak High School in those years you were there. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for the kind words. And, uh, and, and if any of our, any, any of our listeners have a recommendation for a future guest to have on the podcast, just you can email your suggestions to HoustonCoachesPod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Coaches Houston and send us your suggestions there. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Houston Coaches Podcast, presented by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Our theme song is In the Battle of Good and Evil by Ryan Davis, a former high school football coach. Please subscribe to our show and leave us a review so we can continue to spread our message to a larger audience. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation about Houston area football and its impact on all those privileged to be a part of it.